At St. John's, we are celebrating the merry, merry month of May when we honor women, mothers, the feminine, and our worship focuses on prayers and music by women and scripture passages about women. This month especially, we affirm the words of Julian of Norwich that as truly as God is our Father, so just as truly is God our Mother. Today, on this Mother's Day, we focus on Mary, the Mother of God. I love Mary. She is my favorite saint. I love collecting icons of Mary. In the Eastern uh, Christian tradition, Mary is always depicted with her child, Jesus, more clearly identifying that relationship and her role. In the Episcopal tradition, we pray to God in thanksgiving for the lives of saints, rather than praying to saints for their intercessions on our behalf. However, when I was in seminary, I did uh, end up in a group that was devoted to Mary, and we would gather in our Episcopal Seminary Chapel and pray the rosary together, and it was awesome. The readings today include accounts of the Annunciation, where the angel tells Mary she will conceive and bear the Messiah. This conception and this birth is the incarnation that is so fundamental to our theology and faith as Christians. Jesus, fully God and fully human, born of the Virgin Mary. Now I want to try to clear something up that's often a point of confusion People often confuse the Incarnation with the Immaculate Conception. The Immaculate Conception is a Roman Catholic dogma that refers to the conception of Mary, not the conception of Jesus. The argument goes that since original sin is transmitted through intercourse and childbirth, God made the conception of Mary immaculate so that she would not be touched by the stain of original sin and thus would be pure and could give birth to Jesus. It's essentially a reverse-engineered dogma trying to explain how Jesus was born without sin. But it's actually not part of Episcopal theology. This morning, I wanted us to hear the narrative of the birth and Mary and the Annunciation from the Quran. And I think it's fascinating to hear the Annunciation story from the Christian gospel and from the Quran. And the reading, I hope, serves as a reminder for us that Mary and Jesus figure prominently in Islam. Indeed, there is far more about Mary in the Quran than in the Christian Bible. There is a lot of demonizing of Islam in America. 
Certainly, terrorism is a major factor in that. And we also tend to characterize domestic terrorism committed by Christians as the act of someone who is crazy. Likewise, our media tends to present more extreme views within Judaism, Christianity, and Islam as being more mainstream than they actually are. My guess is that most Christians have no idea that Mary and Jesus are significant figures in the Quran and in Islam. Of course, Muslims who do not read or speak Arabic may also be unaware of that. Mary's faithfulness and favor with God is central to the passages we heard this morning. And the critical issue is Mary's consent to be the mother of God. I think that consent is evident in both passages, but it is explicit in the Gospel of Luke when she says, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your will. St. Augustine said, Without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. That is exemplified in Mary's consent to the conception of Jesus the Christ. This is a covenant relationship. The Christian tradition has always affirmed the virgin birth of Jesus. And in the Western Church, especially since the Middle Ages, we've been a little obsessed with issues of sexuality. And Mary has become known primarily as the Virgin Mary. The emphasis is on what she has not done and on her purity. In the Eastern Orthodox Christian tradition, Mary is called the Theotokos, the God-bearer. Now, the Orthodox Christian Church is no bastion of feminism. Uh, Far, far from it. But they do have a better theological emphasis around Mary and her role. God-bearer focuses on what Mary did, on who she is, rather than on her virginity. Most Holy Mary the God-bearer. That is my favorite title for Mary, and you may have heard us insert it into our Eucharistic prayers. I love that title. It's even more impressive than Mother of Dragons. (laughs) One of my other favorite moms. I can't wait to watch on Game of Thrones tonight. (laughs) I've been thinking about Mary as God-bearer quite a bit lately. A couple weeks ago, I preached and officiated at my Aunt Carmen's funeral. When I was a kid, we would spend part of the summer visiting her and my uncle in Akron, Ohio, where my mother grew up. 
And every time we visited, I would suffer some sort of significant injury, some of which required a hospital visit, and all of which required the loving care of my Aunt Carmen. There was a tree at her house that always had lots and lots of ladybugs on it. And being a young boy, I took delight in smashing them. Eventually, I thought, I always get hurt in Akron after I've been killing ladybugs. So the next time we visited, I stayed away from the ladybugs and never got injured. And to this day, I am convinced that killing a ladybug is very bad luck. And I will take great care not to harm one and to make sure it gets out of our house or wherever. A couple weeks ago, I was on a bike ride. I'm riding around Tiburon, and all of a sudden, a ladybug landed on my leg while I was cycling. And... um, I, like, I panicked. I almost crashed because I kind of panicked. <laughs> but it turns out that I am right. Killing a ladybug really is bad luck. The story goes that some farmers were having their crops ruined by aphids. And so they prayed to Our Lady Mary to deliver them and to save their crops. And then a bunch of bugs showed up and started eating all of the aphids. So the farmers referred to the bugs as Our Lady's Bugs. As a reminder of Mary. Our Lady's Bugs became ladybugs. So now when you see or hear ladybug, you can think of Mary. Whenever I see a ladybug, it reminds me not only of Mary, but of my Aunt Carmen and how she cared for me when I was young and had gotten injured somehow. At her funeral, I told this story about ladybugs and then said that we were there at her funeral to remember and celebrate the ways my Aunt Carmen, like Mary, was a God-bearer. And in the end, what matters is how we bear God's love in our lives. And our model for this is Mary, the mother of God. As Christians, we, of course, talk about being Christ-like. But in many ways, we should strive to be like Mary. Her faithfulness and trust. Her fierce love. Her letting her son be who he was. Show us how to be God-bearers. And indeed, how to be parents. Instead of asking the popular question, what would Jesus do? Try asking yourself, what would Mary do? 
Unlike Jesus, I can't perform miracles. But following the example of Mary, I can say yes to God. There is a Spanish saying that goes, an ounce of mother is worth a pound of priests. (laughs) I really want to know how that saying came about. An ounce of mother is worth a pound of priests. And what I've recently discovered is that it is literally true. Well, not kind of literally. I was talking with one of my children recently who was going through a bit of a rough time. And as I tried to offer some reassurance and advice, my child said, I think I just need to call mom. So my child called mom, and it worked. (laughs) Mom one, priest zero. (laughs) As we celebrate Mary and all who mother, who are the women who have been God-bearers in your life? How can you follow in their example. Like Mary and all the women who inspire us, may our souls magnify the Lord.